On today's episode, I will discuss some interesting updates regarding Alex DeBrinkett's future in Ottawa, and I'll also get into defenseman Seth Jones's season recap. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Friday, April 28th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can all find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman2, or you can find my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all of the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And real quick, just a reminder that you could subscribe or follow for free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to do that real quick so that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it's available each and every day. It only takes two seconds to help grow the show, folks, and it really does help me out tremendously. So make sure to take the quick time that it takes in order to help me out. I greatly appreciate all of your support. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. As always, Thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your day. And to kick things off on the show, folks, I have a very intriguing topic of conversation to discuss. And just kind of like how uh, a few days ago on the show, I broke down Jeff Greenberg, Blackhawks associate general manager and former GM Stan Bowman, rumored to be in the running for the Pittsburgh Penguins vacant general manager job. I had mentioned, you know, that had kind of gone over my head a little bit, and I had discussed that on the podcast a few days after the news had broke. Well, we kind of have a a similar situation on the show here today because something I've been meaning to get to, but due to just, you know, having – the Rockford Icehawks players, Alec Regula and Ryder Rolston on the podcast. I had a two-parter come out recently with Charlie Romeliotis. I'm getting into my season recaps. Uh, just because of the scheduling and whatnot, um, this had kind of been put on the back burner, but was certainly something that I did want to discuss here on the show with all of you. And that was the news that came out of Ottawa recently regarding former Blackhawks forward Alex DeBrinkett and the Senators. Of course, the Blackhawks dealt to <clears throat> excuse me, dealt to Brinkett uh, nearly a year ago now, which is kind of crazy how fast time flies. Nearly a year ago now, uh, ahead of the 2023 NHL draft, the 2022 NHL draft, excuse me, I'll actually be taking a look back at that deal coming up here in just a moment, folks. Uh, and after his first season up in Ottawa, of course, to Brinkett is now set to be a restricted free agent this summer and needs to be given at least $9 million on his qualifying offer. A pretty penny is supposed to be heading Alex to Brinkett's way. And the news that came out from up in Ottawa recently was that while the senators uh, are willing to give Alex to Brinkett an extension at this point, they're not so sure that he wants to stay. And actually the word is that DeBrinket would like to see what happens with the senators ownership group first before reaching a decision. And for those of you who may not know, uh, the Ottawa Senators are up for sale at this point. There's a lot of interested bidders, supposedly. One of those groups uh, is actually um, 
actually has famous actor Ryan Reynolds in it, which is, you know, kind of cool to hear that Ryan Reynolds could be part of the group that's purchasing the Ottawa Senators. Uh, but the speculation is that um, the final decision for the ownership should be coming to a close sometime here relatively soon. And Debrinkit also told the Senators that he will have his decision made one way or another before the NHL draft. But a very interesting time for the Ottawa Senators, obviously, because uh, for both Debrinkit and for them as a team, this year didn't really go as planned. Debrinkit didn't get off to the best start for the Senators. Uh, he only tallied 27 goals this year, which, you know, is still – Nothing to bat an eye at, but when you're a proven 40-goal scorer at a young age, those are kind of the expectations, and that's the type of player the Sens, you know, thought they were purchasing. So kind of anything short of 35 goals, I think, for Alex Dabrinkit is kind of a failure at this point, especially when he did play in all 82 games for Ottawa once again this year. That's quite kind of quietly been like a hidden gem part of Dabrinkit's game is his ability to stay healthy, knock on wood for the kitty cat, um, but playing in 82 games this year for the Sens, that's the fourth time he's already played in all 82, and he's only six years into his NHL career. Um, but those 27 goals were the fewest that he has tallied in a full 82-game season. Um, and I mentioned coming off a 40-goal campaign with the Chicago Blackhawks where he and Patrick Kane were just, you know, despite the team not having success, they were still clicking on all cylinders. Kaner recorded the third most points he's ever put up in an entire season. So that was the expectation for Debrinket, and he did not live up to it, and neither did the Senators as a team. They end up missing the playoffs by six points, I believe. The frustration continues to mount in that city as that team is just, while they have done a good job of collecting talent and prospects and picks, it's time for that to kind of turn into winning hockey. They're at that stage of their rebuild where it's time to prove that they can be one of the better teams and, you know, to be fair, a very tough Eastern Conference. But a disappointing season across the board for the Senators and for first-year player Alex Dabrinkit. Just not good enough for either of them. Uh, and you have to wonder if the Senators have any concerns about paying Dabrinkit long-term. I know the fans, obviously, any fan base up in Canada, you have to take with a grain of salt. They're a little bit crazier, um, but they were obviously frustrated with Debrinket's kind of lack of goal scoring this year. He also dipped down to uh, 66 points this season from 78 that he had last year with the Blackhawks. So, you know, there's some frustration mounting this fan base and this team. They really want to win, but when you're talking about a player like Alex Debrinket, who, as I mentioned, is owed at least $9 million, you got to wonder if there are some concerns from the Senators' perspective about whether or not they want to dish out that type of money to Alex Debrinket long term. And you got to think the $9 million that he's owed for this qualifying offer, that's probably the starting point if they're talking this offseason about an extension, at least from Alex Debrinket's perspective you think that's where the conversation would start that's what the asking price for him would be at the very least would be nine million dollars he's proven to be one of the best goal scorers in the NHL maybe not this season maybe that's what causes some rift there from the Senators but I'm sure DeBrinket is not going to be wanting to sign an extension for anything less than his contract offer so it's just one thing to think about are the Senators considering moving on from Alex Dabrinkit just one year after they acquired him from the Blackhawks. And on the flip side of things, 
we still don't know exactly what to bring it wants either. Could he be thinking about leaving the senators after just one year there? Um, either way, very, very interesting situation right now for the senators, especially when they gave the Blackhawks two draft picks inside the top 40 of last year's NHL draft. And fittingly enough Blackhawks fans coming up in just a moment, I will take a look back at the Blackhawks swap with the Ottawa Senators for Alex Dabrinkit just one year ago. But first, real quick, I need to talk to you all about eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, make sure to head on over to eBay Motors because with eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part that you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check mark to know the part will fit or else you'll be getting your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop with eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Real quick, before I do get into segment two, I want to let you all know about all of the good stuff coming up on Lockdown Blackhawks here in the offseason. Of course, I've already started my season recap segments. I've gone over Connor Murphy, Andreas Athanasiu, Tyler Johnson. Later on in today's show, to wrap things up, I'll be breaking down defenseman Seth Jones's season, so make sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, I also recently sat down with two members of the Rockford Ice Hogs and had a conversation with them, Alec Regula and Ryder Rolston. Be sure to hit the YouTube channel if you haven't checked out those interviews already. And I do plan on having more members of the Rockford Ice Hogs on the show here soon while they're in the midst of their Central Division semifinal series against the Texas Stars. That kicks off at 7 p.m. Central Time this evening at the BMO Center in Rockford. I could be having more Ice Hogs players on the show as soon as Monday, so keep your peepers peeled for that. I also, of course, just dropped a two-part episode with Charlie Romeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago to discuss all things Blackhawks here in the offseason. I'm also, side note, little secret, I'm talking with Joe Brand from WGN, the radio voice of the Blackhawks, um, one of the radio voices for the Blackhawks, of course, a former guest here on the podcast, trying to get Joe back on here sometime soon. And then I'll be getting into my NHL draft profiles once the lottery wraps up. That's just 10 days away, not to mention, folks. I'll get into some free agent profiles, some free agent trackers to see who could be fitting what the Blackhawks are trying to add this offseason. And then I also am going to be getting into my end-of-season top 10 prospect rankings here relatively soon. So as you can all know, you're probably telling me to shut up and get back to the content. Lots of good stuff coming up on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast here as we start to get into the summer. I know this is usually when it's like the dead zone for Blackhawks news when they're missing out on the playoffs, but not here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel to get all of that good stuff that I have planned ahead. All right, throwing that stuff to the side, getting back into the show, segment two uh, with Alex Debrinkit being in the news recently up in Ottawa. A very interesting situation to keep an eye on to see, well, is he only going to have played for the Ottawa Senators for one year? Because if that winds up being the case, 
the Blackhawks return that they got for Dabrinkit sure looks a lot better. And to be fair, Blackhawks fans, while I, I do think we all kind of agree on the same point, while we do agree that the Blackhawks and Kyle Davidson probably could have gotten more for Alex Dabrinkit, this trade still is looking and feels a lot better than it did at the time for a couple of different reasons. One that I definitely want to mention is while it felt like, and this is something that I mentioned on the show as well, and it's kind of why I I hate giving knee-jerk reactions and why you do need to take everything full circle, let some time pass, and then revisit trades and stuff like this and then give a proper reaction. Well, it felt like the Blackhawks didn't absolutely have to trade Alex Dabrinkit, and that was my argument. If you're going to sell him for less than an ideal return, why do it when you don't have to trade him? Well, sure, the Blackhawks didn't have to trade him, but let's let's admit it here. Alex Dabrinkit would have helped the Blackhawks be better than they were this season, and Kyle Davidson in that front office didn't want the Blackhawks to be any good. We even heard him when he uh, said he was, when when the team finished third to last, he said, yeah, top three is pretty good. Like he was happy with where the Blackhawks finished. Would he have loved last place? Yes, we all would have. But this is clearly what he wanted. He wanted his team to be a bottom feeder, to be in contention for the number one overall pick, to be, you know, in the running when it comes to the draft lottery. That's what he wanted. And Alex Dabrinkit and Dylan Strom, for that matter, really would have hurt the Blackhawks' chances of getting there. Alex Dabrinkit surely would have stole victories for this team. So while I do agree the Blackhawks didn't have to trade him, if they wanted to finish at the bottom of the standings, they probably did. And like I just mentioned, a year later, considering you know what we do know right now up in Ottawa and also after seeing what the Blackhawks turned those picks into and how these players have kind of fared so far this year, I am – Pretty, pretty excited about <clears throat> the return for Dabrinkit, even though I certainly wasn't at the time. Getting the seventh overall pick, of course, the return for Dabrinkit. We send him to Ottawa. The Blackhawks get the seventh and 39th overall selections in the 2022 NHL draft. And when I saw number seven, I was like, what? We only get one first round pick and it's not even in the top five. I didn't really understand it, but I'll tell you what, Blackhawks fans. Apparently, when the Hawks made this trade, they had the idea of getting Kevin Korchinski at number seven, and by gone, that's who they got. And Kevin Korchinski, I haven't seen skating like this in my time covering the Blackhawks. The kid's still only 18 years old. He spent this entire season up with the Seattle Thunderbirds in the WHL, his second season there, and was on a rampage once again. 73 points in 54 games for Korchinski this season as an 18-year-old. 11 goals, 62 assists in 54 games. He currently has nine points, all assists, through Seattle's first eight games of the WHL playoffs. By the way, they'll be kicking off the WHL Western Conference Championship tomorrow night against the Kamloops Blazers. Excited to see Korchinski hopefully put on another good showing throughout that series to help the Thunderbirds advance to the WHL final. But anyways, he's been uh, wonderful to kind of watch from afar up in the WHL this season and also seeing him in person during training camp and during the Blackhawks development camps. My, oh my. Speed is the absolute name of the game of this guy with this guy. And the Blackhawks have been lacking that for quite some time. And you could tell that was something they really have wanted to address since Kyle Davidson stepped in as the GM. And Kevin Korchinski, I feel like, was the perfect type of defenseman that Davidson wanted to add. He's six foot one, 180 pounds, 
might not ever be, you know, physically dominating in the defensive end, the guy that throws hits, but he has some decent size to him at six foot one, and there's plenty of room for him to grow. He's got kind of a lanky, uh, gangly frame at this point, but with every player at that age, you expect them only to get stronger as uh, they go through the ranks here. So if Korchinski can add on some weight, that'll sure go a long way in helping him be capable defensively. But the name of the game for him is the speed and the offensive playmaking ability. Probably the future quarterback on the power play for the Chicago Blackhawks. It's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works with Seth Jones, by the way. It's a future conversation to have. But I think from what we saw in the preseason, I mean, Korchinski if the Blackhawks were in a different situation, I truly think he would have pushed them uh, to keep it, keep him up in the NHL as a first-year player. Like, he looked that impressive in training camp. But with the Blackhawks obviously having all the time in the world to develop these guys, there was no, no need for them to make that decision. But I am super stoked about Kevin Korchinski. I really do think this kid could be a stud if he continues to develop properly and add some muscle because – the skating ability is undeniable. The offensive instincts, the passing, um, it's all there. It's just whether or not he's going to be able to do it at the NHL level and get the NHL body when that time comes. And then with the 39th overall selection, the Blackhawks end up selecting forward Paul Ludwinski from the Kingston Frontenacs of the OHL. Kind of uh, an injury-depleted season for Ludwinski. Unfortunately, he only played in 47 games for Kingston this year wound up tallying 34 points, nine goals, and 25 assists. But whatever this kid gives you offensively is kind of a bonus. That's not why the Blackhawks drafted him. They drafted him because of his motor. And even Ludwinski himself, when the Hawks selected him, said, I have the highest motor in this entire draft, which was pretty funny to hear him say that himself. But, I mean, I get why he says that, because he's an up-and-down type of guy who's you know, physical along the boards will run you into the wall is a thorn in your side on the four check. It's just a pest out there basically. And watching him in the preseason and that development camp with Samuel Savoy, who's another forward prospect, the Hawks selected in the 2022 NHL draft that plays the same style. Those two on the same line, it was like demolition derby out there. And I really do think that's the side of the game that makes Paul Ludwinski so intriguing. I don't think he's necessarily going to have uh, top six offensive abilities, but from for what he does away from the puck, that's what gives him the best chance of making it to the next level. He was also named the captain for Kingston after a high-end prospect Shane Wright was dealt at the deadline. Got some decent size at 5'11", 190 pounds, so the intangibles are have proven to be there for Paul Ludwinski and to pair him along with Kevin Korchinski in this deal. Well, again, I still think the Blackhawks could have gotten more Um, I think knowing what we do now, you have to be happy about this, especially with the high end uh, upside for Kevin Korchinski. If he turns into a superstar, this is a deal that will look very good for the Chicago Blackhawks, especially if Alex DeBrinkett winds up not signing an extension with the team and ends up just spending one or two years with the Senators. All right, before I wrap up today's show, folks, I still got to get into my late, uh, my next edition of the season recap segment. And for those of you who have missed it, I'm already three deep in my season recaps. I've already gone over uh, Andreas Athanasiu, Connor Murphy, and Tyler Johnson. Make sure to go and click on my YouTube channel to go and get all caught up on my season recaps. And while you're there, if you haven't done so already, please 
hit that subscribe button and smash the like button down below. All your support really helps me out. I'm trying to grow this show up in the off season here. It's been awesome thus far. And I would really appreciate it if you can all do your part to help me grow the show. With that being said, let's get into the next season recap segment that I have, which is for none other than 28-year-old defenseman Seth Jones, who might be the most controversial, critiqued, not only player on the Chicago Blackhawks, but arguably the most controversially critiqued defenseman in the entire NHL because of the contract that he signed once he was acquired by the Blackhawks for the Columbus Blue Jackets. But before I get into Seth Jones' season recap, if you're still watching at this point of the episode, let me just say do not, do not rate Seth Jones's on-ice abilities with a biased mindset because of his contract. I've seen it from so many Blackhawks fans, and it makes me sink in my chair. And listen, do I think Seth Jones is a perfect defenseman? No. Do I think he's overpaid? Absolutely. Do I think he's a number one on a good team? You have to have a really good piece around him for him to be that. I'm willing to admit these things, but at the same time, the hatred and the negativity that gets thrown that gets thrown at Seth Jones simply because of the contract that he signed, which by the way, you should be mad at Stan Bowman at any one of you would have signed $9.5 million per year. If it was handed out in front of you and be like, Oh uh, yeah, I got the pen right here. Where do I sign? Anyone would have done that. Why are you mad at Seth Jones for the contract? It never makes any sense to me. And for people to have this constant lens on when watching Seth Jones, that, Anything he does is bad. I, I'm so sick of it, and it doesn't make any sense to me. People hate on him for literally no reason, just because of the dollar amount. And in reality, again, I didn't think he had a perfect season, but if you can put that to the side, you'd recognize that Seth Jones has special abilities and put together a pretty solid campaign, particularly in the final 40, 50 games for the Chicago Blackhawks this year. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into some of the numbers for Seth Jones in his second season with the Blackhawks. He played in 72 of the 82 games this year, did a good job of staying healthy for the most part once again, despite having a very large role, one of the largest in the entire NHL. You'll love to see that out of Seth finding ways to be on the ice consistently, always the most important thing. And in those 72 games, he wound up tallying 12 goals and 25 assists for 37 points. And those 12 goals were actually the second most of his career and the most that he's tallied since he potted 16 way back in the 2017-18 campaign. That was when Columbus ended up upsetting uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning as the eight seed in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Fun times to think back at, but that was just a monstrous season for Seth Jones. And good to see him have a big response in the goal scoring category this year. I really do think he has the capability of scoring 10 goals every single season. The way he moves around in the offensive zone to give himself open angles, the way he recognizes plays in transition and jumps up on the rush. I mean, how many goals out of those 12 from Seth Jones did we see him score you know, on a three-on-two where he was the center guy driving the net and a nice pass found him, but he was able to get in that position because he recognized there was open ice and he took it. That might be the best part of Seth Jones's game is his recognition to give his team an odd man break in transition. So good to see him have a big response with 12 goals this year, added 25 assists, giving him, you know, only 37 points in 72 games. Doesn't look that great, especially considering 
uh, the numbers that Jones had last year. But you got to remember, this Blackhawks offense was putrid. I mean, Patrick Kane struggled to put up points for this Blackhawks team. So I don't think it should be a surprise uh, that no one on this club was really lighting it up all that much offensively. Um, so while this was a low for Seth Jones in quite a while for a full campaign's worth of action, you know, the team absolutely has to be remembered in that. And if anyone's going to hold the point total against Seth Jones, and you got to hold it against Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze and the other guys too, because no one was as productive for the Blackhawks as they were the season prior. Um, the one biggest critique I think I do have about Seth Jones's game is Having two power play goals again this season, and by the way, he now only has two power play goals in two years with the Blackhawks. He didn't score any for the, for them last season, and neither did any defenseman. I still can't believe the Blackhawks won 82 games without a power play goal from a defenseman. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, and while I do think Seth runs the point at the power play just fine, not you know extraordinary well, he has good recognition and he knows how to feed guys at the dot. My one critique is he just doesn't shoot the puck enough and he plays from so deep. And that's one thing that kills me is how deep Seth Jones is playing the power play at the blue line. He's basically pressed up right against it. And if he could find a way to creep, just even a couple of feet makes a difference in this type of game. If he can find a way to creep up closer and get more powerful shots off, I really do think that would help the Blackhawks man advantage, hit another gear and add another weapon out there because this entire season, it was so one-dimensional. There was never any flow, lots of ups and downs. And look, Seth Jones should be scoring more than two power play goals a year. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And for him to have only two through two years now, that's my biggest complaint. He's got to be more aggressive with the puck on his stick on the power play. He's got to find a way to be a bigger contributor on the man advantage or else with guys like Wyatt Kaiser, Kevin Korchinski, and more on the way he might have to be demoted to the second power play guy because two PPGs from a defenseman of his caliber just simply isn't going to cut it. Um, I do think it was impressive, though, that he scored 10 goals at even strength this season. Like I said, nice to see him have a rebound in the goal-scoring category this year. Uh, he shot 6.7% as well, which you know kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the goal-scoring numbers being up. That's actually the best shooting percentage that Seth has tallied since all the way back in 2016-17. So, Hopefully we can see that be more of a consistent theme because I think he shot like 3% with the Blackhawks last year. Not very good. Um, he actually even had a better shooting percentage this year than when he did uh, when he potted 16 goals with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So yeah, anything for a defenseman 5 6% and above, that's something that will take. You're just not going to see defensemen shooting double digits. It just doesn't happen. But anything above 5%, I'll take out of Seth Jones, 6.7% second highest of his career. Hopefully we'll get more of that in these next couple of years. In terms of the time on ice for Seth Jones, kind of interesting. His 24 minutes and 27 seconds was the lowest he's averaged as well since 2016-17. Kind of interesting to see the Blackhawks use him. And well, I mean, he's still a top 10, top 15 ice time leader in the entire NHL as a number one defenseman for this club. He's used to playing 26, 27 minutes a game. So we'll see if this kind of becomes a consistent theme under Luke Richardson, if he'd like to use Seth Jones a little bit less to maybe get more productivity out of him. Um, but definitely, I think, worth keeping an eye on the time on ice department for Seth Jones throughout uh, he and Luke Richardson's tenure together with the Chicago Blackhawks. Some of the side numbers here for Jones, 106 hits, ties a career high. Good to see him be physical. He's never going to be a guy that's going to, you know, plow many people over and run you through the glass, but to see him not be timid out there and 
willing to, you know, use his size to his advantage. That's something that he has to do if he wants to be a top pairing guy. So I think he has to be above 100 hits every season or else I'm going to say he's playing a little bit like a Sally. Uh, And then he also had 125 blocks, a little bit fewer than he did last year where the Blackhawks had like four guys in the top six of block shots. It was absolutely crazy. Uh, But getting into the analytics for Seth Jones, and this is where it gets really interesting for me. Seth Jones finished with a 50.4 Corsi 4 percentage on the Blackhawks this season. Pretty impressive when the Blackhawks as a team were probably, if I had to guess, I actually should have this number, but if I had to guess, they were probably around 43, 44% as a club. Uh, And Jones was on the ice for 89 goals for to 114 against in his 72 games. And I know 114 against is a lot, but let's remember this guy's playing nearly half the game. The Blackhawks are one of the worst teams in the entire NHL. If you hold Seth Jones's plus minus above his head, what are you doing? Tell me that you don't know hockey without telling me you don't know hockey. Stop using plus minus to judge Seth Jones. Go look at any top bearing defenseman for the most part on any bad team, their plus minus is going to be bad. They're also out there for a lot of empty net goals, which helps swing things in the other direction. So yeah, don't, don't give me any of that crap about Seth Jones's plus minus because the deeper analytics and some of the deeper metrics all say that he was really effective this season in transition in terms of uh, the quality of competition that he was facing a very efficient offensive defenseman, maybe not the most prestigious defensive defenseman. And I've always said you're going to need to pair him with a strong defender if you want him to be a reliable top-pairing guy. These are pretty good numbers for Seth Jones. I don't see how you could think he had a bad season other than you're blinded by the bad contract that he signed. And one other reason why I do think some people thought Seth Jones had a bad year is because how he started out this season, kind of a tale of two halves for Seth Jones as well, similar to Andreas Athanasiu, but I went and I did a deeper dive on natural statric to look at how Seth Jones performed with certain defensemen on his pairing. And I think you'll all be very interested to hear this. So Seth Jones largely in the first half of the season or the first two months or so played on the top pairing with Jack Johnson, who is the seventh defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche right now is there in the Stanley Cup. Just not a top-pairing guy at this point of his career. And the Blackhawks, at the beginning of the year, were playing him 21, 22 minutes a night. Just way too large of a role. And as a result, poor old Seth Jones and his numbers got absolutely tanked. And I think you'll all find this very interesting to hear. So here are the numbers this season when Seth Jones was paired with Jack Johnson. They were paired together for 236 minutes of ice time and accrued a 39.4 Corsi 4 percentage. Now, remember, Seth Jones finished with a 50.4 Corsi 4 percentage himself on the season. He was at 39.4 in 236 minutes with Jack Johnson. They were also on the ice for just four goals, four together, compared to 18 against at even strength. That gave them a 39.0 expected goals for percentage. And they were also on the ice for 34 per, 34.6% of high danger chances, meaning, um, yeah, out of 100 high danger chances, when they were on the ice together, their team would uh, generate 34. The other team would generate 66. So not, not very good when Seth Jones and Jack Johnson were paired together. And that, as a result, I really do think played a huge part in him not getting off to a, a very good first half of the season. And 
in uh, 25 games. I know I had these numbers somewhere. Did I not scroll down far enough? Here they are. Here, here they are. In 25 games with Jack Johnson up until the start of 2023. So from the season opener to December 31st, 2022, Seth Jones had 10 points, one goal and nine assists, just one goal in his first 25 games of the season while he was skating, mostly with Jack Johnson on that top defensive pairing. In 47 games, once the calendar flipped to 2023, Seth Jones ended up tallying 27 points in 47 games, 11 goals, and 16 assists in his final 47 games. And a lot of that was when he was paired with Jake McCabe and Caleb Jones. Here are the numbers for Seth Jones when he was paired with Jake McCabe for a couple months there before McCabe ended up getting dealt a lot better than what we saw out of the Jones and Johnson pairing. They spent 528 minutes together on the ice with a Corsi 4 percentage of 48.6, and they were on the ice for 25 goals, 4 to 28 against. So to kind of also put that in perspective, Johnson and Seth Jones were on the ice for 236 minutes and gave up 18 goals. McCabe and Jones were on the ice for 528 minutes, nearly 300 more minutes, and only gave up 10 more goals against. So that shows you how much more effective and how much better, at least just on the defensive side of things, uh, that top pairing went for the Blackhawks when it was Jake McCabe there instead of Jack Johnson. And that stretch, I mean, they were a real dominant top pairing there for the Blackhawks. And like I said, that's the type of person I think you need to have up there with Seth Jones to bring out the absolute best out of him, to let him go and play freely on the offensive side of things. And then the defensive-minded defensive partner can hold things down on the defensive end. So I think that was interesting to hear. And also hearing the numbers that Seth Jones put up with his brother Caleb Jones whenever they were paired together this season, that kind of stood out to me. 368 minutes together. A lot of that came in the final 20, 25, 30 games of the season after McCabe was dealt. They had a 52.73 Corsi 4 percentage together. Anything above 50 on the Blackhawks is going to be very, very positive uh, when you consider how poorly this team was as a whole in terms of the analytics. They also had a 52.58 expected goals 4 percentage and were on the ice for 14 goals 4 to just 17 against. So even when Caleb was paired with Seth, they were playing a lot better. Um, So yeah, kind of a, a tale of two halves. For Seth Jones this season, he finished on an excellent run, got into the double digits in terms of goals, was much more um, involved as a playmaker down the stretch when he had a you know an actual capable defensive partner. So taking everything into consideration, I do think it's hard to judge a player like Seth Jones because there are defensive lapses in his game. He'll make bad turnovers. He'll make bad reads from time to time. But if you give him the talent and let him roam offensively, he's shown – that he can be a difference maker. So all things considered, I'm going to give Seth Jones a B for his performance this season. And I was actually so proud of all you Blackhawks fans out there who voted on Twitter. By the way, love to see 186 votes on Twitter for this poll. Make sure to follow at Talking Hockey on Twitter to vote on all of the season recaps for all Blackhawks players. Uh, but 51% of the 186 voters on Twitter agreed with me that Seth Jones deserved a B. I think That makes the most sense. 34% of voters voted for C, 9% voted for an A, and only 6% voted for a D slash F. So I was very proud of all you Blackhawks fans. Not very many voted that Seth Jones deserved a D or an F, which he absolutely did not deserve this season. If you watch this Blackhawks team, 
like everyone on Twitter and on Instagram, 55% of the voters as well voted for a B on Instagram. I completely agree. I think Seth Jones is deserving of a B for his performance of this season. And by the way, make sure to go and follow the Instagram account at capital L capital O Blackhawks. I'm going to be having a giveaway sometime soon here on the show. And one of the things you're going to have to do is you're going to have to be, uh, you're going to have to follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram in order to win the giveaway. So make sure to do that real quick. I post a bunch of good clips and posts and photos and polls on Instagram. So make sure to check it out. But I think that is going to wrap up Friday, April 28th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. As always, thank you all for tuning into the show and make sure to go and follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each and every day. Once again, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman too. Or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, that's going to do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.